So what is the economic cost of the fourth trimester? Our guest, Dr. Sonal Patel, will answer that and more questions about her experiences, not only as a mom of four, but a neonatologist and what she's done to take postpartum and the fourth trimester and increase access to care for moms who need that in all the realms from psychology, counseling, lactation, and pelvic floor physical therapy, which I totally love. Dive in. Let's start the show. All right. So I don't know about you, but anytime anybody's on YouTube or on the news talking about kind of pregnancy, postpartum, the fourth trimester. Um, I've got a ton of friends that are throwing things in my inbox. And this one actually showed up before uh, we connected, but um, on TEDx Ocala, which I think is Florida, um, this TEDx showed up with Sonal Patel, the economics of the fourth trimester. And I think in just a couple of weeks, you hit 24,000 views on it. Um, and so we're so happy to have Dr. Sonal Patel on the show today to talk about um, the fourth trimester and all the costs and all the fun stuff. So thanks so much for being on the show. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. This is amazing. So you are a neonatologist by training, and then you also have four kids. Um, where, where does the mashup come? Like, did you have any sense that this would be kind of, you know, the fourth trimester would be this impactful for you? You know, honestly, no, I, I always say it was my professional where you can actually view women going through the postpartum. We had that, um, unique lens being in the NICU and then cemented or overlaid with that was just myself dealing with postpartum and I jokingly say but it's true like I didn't have any issues pregnancy but postpartum you name it I've had it you know even the types of deliveries I've had an all-natural delivery no medications barely made it to the hospital kind of scenario and both of those things kind of collided in with each other and led me to discovering the actual term fourth trimester. I didn't even know it when I was at having my own kids, what it meant. Yeah. So. And your, your kids range from say, tell me again, the ages again. Yes. So I have a 17, a 13, an 11 and an eight. So a huge range from like almost going to college to elementary school. But that that's a lot of historical perspective. And, and you mentioned, you know, I didn't know what the fourth trimester was. I don't know that that was even a word or a term until maybe more the last six, seven years. Um, what did, you know, 17 years ago, just so we kind of have some history here, like what did you expect going into postpartum? What was that supposed to look like? And then what did it actually look like for you? You're supposed to, and this is what, I mean, first of all, remember this is 2005. So we were just getting the iPhones. We were just getting social media. We were, we were on that cusp of, of this new era that we live in right now. So at that time, there was just probably like mommy blogs that were out there that mm, were very popular. Blogging was big. Yep. Blogging was huge. And really no, I, what I anticipated was I would just pop out a baby, feel better in like six weeks, go to back, back to work around nine weeks and everything would be roses. You know, the Hallmark Hollywood 
beautiful <laughs> everything. Um, uh, and it was a shocker. A uh, couple of things that really stood out is, first of all, I ended up having a C-section, mm -hmm. which is let's return that. Let's kind of next generations return that. That's abdominal surgery with the baby attached. They go through so major many major abdominal surgery, by the way. I yes. had two. Yep. Yes. Yes. I totally love that you emphasize those major because it, it, you're absolutely right. And then you have this responsibility of not only taking care of yourself, but breastfeeding and providing nutrition to another human being. And breastfeeding was just being a pediatrician. Also, at that time, I was being trained in um, pediatrics. There was not that much uh, education on lactation. And but just coupled with that physical recovery, I mean, it was like every time you sneezed, your scar hurt. Every time you like got up or mm -hmm. even like took, like got into the bathroom, like everything hurt and you were in constant pain. And I truly believe that like that physical pain that we underestimate with the fourth trimester really does lead to some of this mental anguish that we have as mothers and increases our postpartum depression rates increases why we don't feel good why things and we because we fail to recognize that we have so much physical pain yeah we're supposed to just kind of suppress it and that's I nonsense. was <laughs> I was counting pills with my first and it freaked me out I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna run out and then what do we do um I I, I wanted to talk specifically about you mentioning like this is your 17 year old because I feel like some of those things are different now, but some of them are the same. I still think moms come in thinking, oh, it's going to be like the Hallmark Channel. And you spend, it's kind of like the wedding. You spend more time on the wedding than you do on the marriage. It's like you do more, although I don't know what we're going to do now without like Bye Bye Baby and Toys R Us is gone, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, we spend more time planning for the registry and all of that and nothing on the postpartum. <laughs> That I don't. Th I think it's just starting to change, but I don't think it's been that much. What's what's kind of been your experience now? A couple, you know, you're, you're four kids in. You've been spending more time in this postpartum space. Like, has that evolved, or are we still stuck? I think we're still a little stuck. I mean, I love that I'm on this podcast because I actually discovered physical pelvic therapy Yay! after. No, but it was life changing, and I didn't realize how. Like with all my deliveries, I actually qualified for it. And I don't think so even qualify for it. I think there's this basic understanding that, you know, you have, and you know, this, um, not to get more in the, um, the, the gritty of it, but your pelvis does change. And just like, since we can't see those muscles, we don't realize yeah. the amount of musculature that's there. I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're, that muscle is like, you're holding your body up and walking you know? yes so there's a lot of muscles that are involved and they're very yes. but you don't see it like if you got a bicep strain right you knew it's something that you can visualize outside mm -hmm. and something that impedes your day-to-day -day. and then you have you'll go to your um provider they'll give you a physical therapy regimen and you'll follow it and you feel better and that is one thing that I underestimated was my pelvic health because now I actually am dealing with IC, which is interstitial mm. cystitis. And I really think, you know, if I had the appropriate pelvic care after each delivery, yeah. I don't think I would be dealing with this. And so even after eight years ago, that wasn't even very prominent still. No, and it wasn't. You know? And I and think that's a 
I was gonna say, I think that's an important distinction to make. I mean, my youngest is nine. Um, so much has happened in accessibility, in sharing of knowledge. Um, I do think some of it's thanks to COVID and everybody's on social media and that sort of thing. But, but I wanted to ask you in your medical training, understanding, you know, you, you did your basic medical training and then went into your specialty. How much education do you get as far as, hey, this is what's going on? Because I know in PT school, maybe we got a lecture and I don't even remember that. Do, what did you guys get unless you go into OBGYN? Yeah, I, you don't get that. But even, no. like, you, but even my OBGYN didn't tell me, right? They didn't right. tell me that, that it was because I'm coming from the pediatrics lens and I'm depending right. on my OBGYN providers to be like, hey, help me out here. Right. But until I had symptoms right it's and and that's the fault of our healthcare system overall is that we don't focus on prevention it's set up for not focusing on that it's set up for focusing on acute issues right and you you said something earlier about qualify and that's something that I'm hearing come up a lot um people that actually aren't in this space but are trying to be in this space and they're like oh well you know, and usually it's people selling programs. Um, they're like, oh, you know, um, your insurance doesn't cover pelvic floor PT. A, actually not true. Um, if you have physical therapy coverage in your insurance plan, pelvic floor physical therapy, we're just physical therapists. We just use muscle codes, that sort of thing. But there is actually a bill in front of the House of Representatives right now. It, it's to basically increase access to postpartum care for Medicaid. And you probably understand because you've been in, in medical mm-hmm. land for so long, as goes Medicaid and Medicare, as goes most insurances. And so um, there's efforts to try and get more of that. But again, like, it's driven by payment. It's driven by, you know, the knowledge that our providers have to refer us to this. But yeah, it's one of those things that if, 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 if your provider doesn't know to refer you, then you think, okay, well, I, maybe I'm not bad enough to go. Or to your point, I don't want to have these issues. Let me go and see somebody so that I don't, or even if I do, I know kind of how to start to navigate it and so on. Um, in your kind of professional form in like neonatology, you tend to deal more obviously with the kids. What would you kind of observe from afar as a mom, knowing kind of what they're going through? Um, the focus is primarily on the kids at that point. Where Where's the challenges for the moms and, and you know, being seen for what's going on? Yeah, and I, I failed to mention this before, but actually five years ago, I actually left the NICU to start my own home health company. And the challenges that we were seeing is mom's barely able to walk. <laughs> They're holding Thank you. Energy, you know, and, and, and just sitting there and you can see that they're in pain. Yes. Um, and the, you know, over the time, I mean, we have this ability to observe them for two months because usually make your baby stay for a, a, a good chunk of time. You see them getting a little bit better. You see them starting to feel better, but you, underneath it, you're just like wondering, Hey, are you suffering more? Because I like literally the first couple of the first week you barely could walk. Right. And, you know, and we do such a terrible job with even mortality. And that's the economics that I had discussed right. in the TEDx that we, we don't even we don't even do morbidity. I was luckily I found a really good pelvic physical therapist and my urogyne who told me 
that you know peeing and incontinence with peeing and pooping and all like I said that's not normal and that's a culture too that we have to fight it's like for people to understand that's that's not quality of life right that's not us so oh when I opened this company five years ago initially was initially the point was because I actually suffer from postpartum depression with one postpartum anxiety for another and my own medical system did not know how to help me and my biggest thing was like if they don't know how to help me and I know the system right. <laughs> you know so it initially started with that and then it's evolved to getting public physical therapy education at least the education so all my clients will get the education mm-hmm. and we do encourage them to find through their insurance and just for them to realize that there's no qualification. The qualification right. is birth. That's it. That's it. Right. That's all you need. That's all right. you need there, there's no other hoop you need to jump through. Now, you brought up a couple of points um, that I want to go back to um, that I think get forgotten. Um, that when you're when you have a normal delivery, let's let's put it that way. Or a, I hate saying a normal because they're all kind of all over the place. When you get to go home right away with your child. Um, I think there's challenges when you have a child in the NICU, when you have multiples, um, I feel like it's a whole other experience. Um, I, I had a mom recently that I was working with. Um, she had a toddler at home and um, delivered triplets. And I started working with her within two weeks postpartum because she had time because all the kids were in the NICU. And she's like, I have time to do this now. Let's do as much as we possibly can because I know the second the kids come home, it's going to be game on. And I don't know when I'm going to get back to myself. And so I I don't think any situation struck me as much as that because literally it wouldn't matter how bad it was going on with her. She was always going to be putting those kids first. I feel like that's, you know, a very extreme scenario, but um if, if one aspect is just kind of understanding that part of parenting is like, you know, in, in those situations, we, those moms get lost in the beginning. And then we have those moms that kind of get lost because of the overwhelm, like you said, of the the depression and the anxiety and all those things that come with it that I, I swear to God, probably never completely go away. <laughs> There's always something new with kids for you. Like, what have you kind of learned from your own experience? And then how have you sort of implemented that into your, your home care business? Yes. Um, so what I've learned is even the research supports it, right? That the foundation of a mother's mental health is directly linked with infant and childhood development. So those, the studies have been done that shows that if mother's mental health is not addressed properly, the kids, their offsprings will have lower academic scores, will have decreased ability to have good social interactions, um, tools for that. And then on top of that, there's an increased likelihood for those particular kids to even have mental health issues of their own as adolescents in childhood. So when, when I started this home health company, people were always were like, well, why do you worry so much about the mother? And I was like, well, I'm selfish, right? Like, <laughs> well, it, it, was a, it was a good question in the sense that you're a pediatrician and you're trying right. to do a lot of maternal stuff. And then I was like, you know what? I'm selfish. I want my patients to thrive to their optimal level. Right. And I know if I can take care of the mother, then yeah. and make and empower her despite all the social media 
nonsense and doctor Googling, but empower her to believe in herself, mm-hmm. then I'll won half the battle. So that's what I realized that it was okay for for my health to come because with the I see when I would get attacks, I mean I would be debilitated. Yeah. And then you see that you can't really function and and I was scared because I was like well, how am I going to ro- raise four kids? Because I was mm-hmm. diagnosed about six months after my um, last baby was born. And so it was just like, well, I still have at that point, I mean, it was 10 and under I had kids and the, it was just like this. That's a lot. <laughs> I, it is. And I yeah. could not imagine like, how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's why it's the, so in our home health company, so how's that's translated, we bring all medical care home. So we bring everything home. Um, yeah. As the pediatrician, I can do everything for the newborn. I'm also lactation. So I do the breastfeeding. And then for the maternal end of it, we screen for the questions. We screen for the vitals. We're get going. And we talk about birth stories in the first visit. We we talk, we have these conversations because the simple act of me coming to their house validates for them that mm-hmm. they've gone to they've gone through something big yes. like let's not downplay birth like this is um i when someone told me this woman was so angry because when i gave her all the stats and stuff and she goes birth never killed a man and it was true right good point <laughs> good, good point, point. Right? so it was that simple validation of let's talk about your birth story. There's a lot of birth trauma that's occurring, a lot of stuff that we are holding up. And then through the course, so our program is about two months and then they go to their own medical home. We do coordinate with their OBGYN provider. If there's anything that's, um, that is concerning. Uh, And then it's, they go to their medical home, but for those two months, it's, basically also walking and coaching them through Mm -hmm. this new um, landscape that we're in where they, where people are telling them that they're not enough and people, meaning people on social media, sometimes even their own like grand grandmas always that haven't like breastfed before. Right. Because there's a whole culture that hasn't Um, apps. I do not like apps. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Unpack that. Why do we hate the apps? I don't like breastfeeding apps because it's another way of taking away the time that they really do need to focus on the act of breastfeeding and kind of Mm -hmm. looking at what the baby and them are um, doing together. Mm -hmm. And then the information that you're putting on there, I, I don't care if you breastfed for 20 minutes or 40 minutes. My end point I'm looking for as a pediatrician, as a professional, is how many poops, how many poops they're having, and if the poop is changing color, and how many diapers are having. Because that that does my intake. Because some it's just like every human, right? Each human is different. Some babies come out breastfeeding and they are done in 20 minutes. They're like, don't do me again. And some babies need a little bit more coaxing. And yeah. really, it, we focus more on the baby's act, but you forget, again, here we're going back, you forget the mothers, right? Yeah. So for example, if a mom had a C-section, well, that, that might not be a very comfortable position, fill in the blank, to breastfeed correct? Um, maybe they've had a grade three and a grade four. They need a donut because it's really hard to sit up and breastfeed mm-hmm. on their pelvis. 
Um, maybe they've had issues with sciatic nerve issues. Maybe they've had issues with shoulders. I mean, there's so much happens in pregnancy that um, carpal tunnel, maybe they can't hold their baby correctly. So again, we focus on more on the baby rather than the mom. And it's a diet. It's mom and baby. So you have to, with breastfeeding, you have to look at both. You can't just focus on baby. And sometimes, you know, there's, there's, um, everything gets focused on baby, but then there's this mom who, you know, she's, she's dealing with lumps and she's dealing with all of this and she's not voicing that. So that's why I don't like the app. So all I need to know for me personally, how many poops and pees. And so most of my clients, what they do is they, wherever they're changing the diaper, they just put a notepad, just put a notepad, like click it off. And then you're not on your phone. Yeah. Again, going onto an app and putting in data information while it might say some people may be like, well, it only takes five, six minutes. Yeah, but that's five, six minutes for you to eat or pee or yeah. focus on your baby, hold your baby, stop feeling that you're just like a, like it a definitely milk, changes like a it. Cow, yeah. Yeah. Right. I think it also too, and in, in the beginning you want to do everything right. And mm-hmm. I, to your point, like I, I've had so many clients that, you know, they're, they're tracking all this stuff to a fault, um, that it, it almost turns this into a job and Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. There's a lot of repetition, especially those first six weeks. And you're kind of learning this stuff and it sometimes can feel that way. But when you're literally quantifying, it does, it changes the whole kind of vibe of that. You mentioned something earlier. I wanted to go back to about, um, I think this is especially with first time moms, um, that comparison trap. You're surrounded by a lot of family now. Um, you have these stories that have been passed down about what you were like as a baby and what your mom was like. I mean, my my mom, I think she was building our house or something when my sister was born. And the story is she made my dad's dinner while she was in labor for me and then went to the hospital or something along those lines. Um, for you, what stories, um, what expectations kind of were passed down to you culturally that you had to navigate as a new mom? And how does that come forward now in your work? So I will actually tell you one of them um, in a sense that it is so positive, but the Western culture made it sound so negative at the time. And now I'm like, I leaned into it more and more as my pregnancy went around. So in our culture, we're supposed to be in bed for 11 days. Mm -hmm. Um, The Western culture has this thing that you just need to bounce back and go back to work. Right. Mm. So those two things were with the first pregnancies were first postpartum was super challenging because I actually was a resident. I had nine weeks off. I'm, I'm coming from this world of working 80 hours a week, coming from this go, 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 go type of attitude. And my mom and my mother-in-law and all four of my deliveries, there was this understanding that they are just going to come. And they did. My mom's actually an OBGYN physician Ah. as well. Yeah. So she, but she would not take any patients that were around my due date. So she could be there for me two weeks afterwards. And then my mother-in-law two weeks after that. And I, I, I remember my my own fault was I wanted to do everything. I wanted to conquer everything. Mm. I wanted to show my mom and my mother-in-law that I did not need their help. While they were telling me to take it easy, tell me what to do, how to do it. You know, we're here to help you. Let us do this part of it. And that really was 
both the Eastern and Western kind of coming together and colliding. Um, and then you, you find so much now in retrospect, I was like, well, why did I just sit there? <laughs> <laughs> That's also a little, that probably takes a little getting used to. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Like why didn't, why didn't I think it was okay for me not yeah. to do that when they're telling me to do it? Right. So I think that was an interesting that's kind of a, dilemma to na navigate. That's a good question. How did that evolve from your oldest to your youngest? Did you eventually sort of just give in or did people, did your family just say, okay, four kids, we're not coming anymore? Like what happened? No, that, that's, that's the cool thing. It was always understanding that they came. I think ah. if I had eight kids, they would have, they come. would still come. Oh, that's a great they, family. They would still come, but that's the, that's the, that's my culture. That's the Indian mm -hmm. culture. That's the, that's that part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and also if you dive down more into the Eastern kind of cultures, there's particular foods you eat for the heats and the, and at, at times you're just like with your first, right? Like a first time mom, you're just like, well, that's just wrong. But it evolved to, okay, well, I had digestive issues in my first right. one. Breastfeeding don't go, didn't go so well. Maybe right. I should listen, right? Yeah. Maybe I should take. Maybe I should take this in. Maybe there is this component of it. I mean, remember, birthing was a women's community um, celebration. The, yes. the women of the community would come around and take care of this mom and take care, and they provided. And there's a lot of historical and cultural and educational information about food that's been passed down yeah. that we we ignore and yep. so like like for my culture there's particular um, lentils that you eat mm -hmm. in particular weeks because it helps with the digestion and make, makes sense right if everybody remembers their first poop it's like yes. the most painful <laughs> and you're like somebody was on to it with the lentils <laughs> that's awesome that's so awesome. over over the last four, I mean, I think uh, the circumstances on my fourth was a little different because I had preeclampsia. So he came mm. earlier than my mom could come, but my mother-in-law was here too, and she was trying to help. And and um, so that, there was there was a little bit of a um, couple of days, four or five days, where I did not get like that immediate help. Mm -hmm. um, but when it came, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to. I'm take just going to sit. I'm going to yep. take it. I'm going to sit. Mom, I had my nanny at that time. I was very fortunate for that too. But overall, regardless if you have the ability or not, is there's this underlining understanding in the culture that birth is important mm -hmm. and maternal health is important. Um, I think that's such yeah. a, a good point that's come up with a lot of people that I've spoken with on the podcast is historically there was this community. It was a community birth. There would be community support in pregnancy and postpartum and that community has changed. And, um, you know, we'll see it in meal trains and things like that, but it's not that immediate support. And some of it I think has shifted virtually that, you know, people are scrolling at 2 a.m. looking for resources. But I think also, um, you know, individuals like yourself, where you're coming to them, there was a huge surge in, in my profession um, in pelvic floor therapists going into home care. And I think it's fantastic for a bunch of reasons. Typically, the, um, the people doing it 
the physical therapists doing it are moms themselves. So they're looking for flexibility in their schedules, but they also understand how hard it is to get out of the house to get an appointment. Like I remember our first pediatrician appointment and I was so, and you, you remember this with the C-section so swollen, like I had to send my mother-in-law to Target to get bigger underwear because I couldn't get my leg through mm-hmm. the hole. Um, I don't think I could fit into shoes. I had to wear slippers to my first pediatrician appointment. I'm sure we were late because God only knows what was in the bag. And um, I just don't remember that being a supportive experience and being afraid he was going to cry. Of course, he's going to cry. That's what they do. Um, but I, I would have loved to have somebody come. I, I did have a friend who um, I had um, uh, decoir veins, tenosynovitis, so the, um, mommy thumb, really, really severely so that when I changed my son and he kicked my wrist, like right here, which he often did, mm-hmm. just sent me through the roof. And so if a dear friend of mine who was a physio um, came to my house and treated me there, but that was as close as I got. <laughs> but that's, I, I think, having the option for home services it just, it takes down that barrier of, okay, I need help, but I also need that community to come to me and support me. So um, I think that's really cool that you're, you're finding a place and a space for that, because again, that, that community, that village has shifted. It's not, it's not ready-made like it once was. Um, so for you kind of um, looking ahead, since we're, we're, we're noticing changes, things are definitely better than they were, you know, 17 years ago in some aspects. What can we do now um, to change, to make an impact for moms, to make an impact um, for those of us with daughters um, or sons who are going to have kids? Like, what can we do? What kind of um, foundation can, can we lay for them? So so things are going to continue to evolve and, and, and give them more support in the fourth trimester. Yeah. Um, so a couple things. Um, so individually, please, like you mentioned before, it's investing in the marriage, not the wedding. Please forego the $800 strollers. You're going to baby carry. Even if you don't want to, you're going to baby carry. Five strollers anyway. (laughs) The first like six months and then just invest in an umbrella stroller Mm -hmm. because they're developmentally okay to set up with some support. So really looking at what you're getting um, for basically signing up for your registry services that will help diminish your load in the postpartum. It could be as simple as like meal services to, okay, we're going to invest in like a cleaning lady or doula postpartum doula services, um, invest in your health, Mm. take that money and invest in your health. And really to have, I, I see this a lot with, uh, the men, once they realize because it's it's services are not materialistic Mm -hmm. and so there's not a tangible thing however the services actually are far better than the tangibles yeah you know and so i i always i always say on the registry if you found a doula service or whatever physical um, public therapy whatever services put that on your registry get people to pool their money in for instead of that like 10th billion cute outfit that this child's never going to wear spend that $25 or $30 and put it in a pool so this mom can get whatever x y and z service maybe a dog service maybe you don't want to walk your dog all the time so that's one number two 
um, we met women are very reluctant, especially when we turn moms. It, it's, we're really reluctant to ask for help. And one way then people are coming over to help, right? But we're in this dilemma of how to help. I always encourage them to make a list of to do, like mm. what happens, like as simple as, you know, the trash gets put out on Thursdays yep. or please, um, if you're here to help, um, please just walk the dog or we are needing of, uh, please wash any of the dishes or if you could do the laundry and it's, it's okay. just understood. Come in, yeah. look at the list. Don't ask me for anything. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Because here's the deal. When you're done with your postpartum, like obviously you're never done, but when you are feeling better, you can always thank them. Yes. You can thank them. So, and then you can thank them by paying it forward when that mm -hmm. mom is in that, in that scenario. So that's the other, um, so those big, those two things to really invest in services that will help diminish the burden load and the workload. Mm -hmm. And then also putting it on registry um, for those services. Number two was making just a list of where, what people will know. And the third thing is please do realize, and that's why I opened my Naya Care, is that the medical community, I feel biggest critic of my own <laughs> community, we need to step up yeah. and do more of this. So not only um, my Naya Care is in uh, Denver, Colorado, and we serve the metro area, but there's actually about 15 to 20 physicians that are doing this all around the country. And we've mm. actually, I'm the co-founder and co-director of a national nonprofit that we opened two years ago. It's called Center for Fourth Trimester Care and really holding the medical community accountable for what is actually going on with maternal health, with maternal mortality and morbidity and realizing that we actually need to step up and become part of the community in a more um, yes. direct and meaningful way. Yes. So please check us out. Anyone can be a member, anyone who's, who wants to be in this space and change it. The reason we opened it is that when we looked at the landscape, you have ACOG, which is American College right. of OBGYN, AP, um, Family Practice, Psychiatry. They're all looking at this postpartum period from their own lens, but yes. there's really not enough communication between the groups. Yep. And so we wanted to bring everyone under the That's same fantastic. umbrella. Yeah, yeah, so our board is like OBGYN family practice. We actually even have a PMR um, on our board right. because because just really to understand mm -hmm. that this is a new field that has so much economic power because women at the end of the day do have the economic power and we just need to step into it. So please check us out. Again, anyone can be members um, if you're really interested in helping change the national narrative. That's oh. fantastic. No, I, yeah. I was, um, I was president of the Academy of Pelvic Health Physical Therapy. And I remember in, in 18, when um, ACOG came out with their fourth trimester um, statement, and we were just tiny, tiny, tiny little mention, and it was just barely what we do. It just barely scratched the surface. And, and we wrote a letter, it was published in the Green Journal. And we're like, hey, thanks. Thanks for, you know, we've been doing this for a while. We're kind of like the social workers. I'll be honest. I was cracking up when you were like, oh, all these people, all these disciplines, we're the ones that end up organizing it. I swear to God, mm -hmm. like that's half of what I, what I do like is that um, with that early access and talking about, you know, we need to be, you know, touching base with moms earlier. 
um, that just supported what a lot of us are doing in the community anyway, getting access within the first couple of weeks. Um, but again, I, I think you highlighted a really good point about connecting that community. Um, when I see a mom at two weeks postpartum, either virtually or in person, I'm checking the boxes like, okay, how, how are you feeling? How are things going? Like, that's my first question. How are you? Not how's the baby? Because that's the first question sometimes when you go to do your six week visit. Um, how's breastfeeding going? If you're doing it, do you have a lactation consultant? How's sleep going? Do you have a doula? Like, how do you bring these things in? And lots of times they don't know what they need and they don't know that these people exist. And I think having that clear communication of here's all of us that are in the sandbox, how do we connect together? And I think that's something that we've been inherently doing in our profession for a long time, because that's kind of what we do in other aspects as well. Like as a pelvic PT across the board, I deal with urogyne, colorectal, neurology, orthopedics, PM&R, all that stuff. Like that's just kind of organic to who we are. But I love that that's getting put on the physician level, because again, I think that's very culturally in medicine, everybody's in their boxes and it makes it really hard as a patient to get everybody to play in the same sandbox together. <laughs> so I'm so glad to yeah. hear you that you're doing that. That's awesome. You. Now you have yeah. um, some resources. Um, I'm going to pop up here your um, your Instagram, but tell me a little bit. You said you book and you've got a couple other things going on. Yeah. So um, yeah, so that's, I wrote a book called, um, the doctor in her black bag, and it's reflective of basically how old fashioned care can mm. change and alter maternal mortality, which is my biggest platform. And for people to understand, um, how dangerous birthing is in the United States, but people just don't understand because it's always a blip on the news. I mean, just in 2023 of March, and the newest data came out and it was shocking. Um, our data is, it's a rate. So really briefly, it's a rate. If we are 32, the closest is Canada, which is eight. So mm. you can see that. So um, the book, it's divided into four parts. The first part is my story of how I got into this work and my um, professional and personal. The second part is I love medical history. So I really want to know what happened postpartum, like mm. what cultivated where we are right now. And the third part is the research behind changing like all the components that need to be changed. Um, just from basically home visits, the uh, paid family leave, how that affects breastfeeding, and then how that affects mental health and how that leads to the economic benefit. And then the last part is like moving forward, like what can we do moving forward, like the question you asked me. Um, everything is available for free on niacare.org slash book. So everything on there, you can get the audible free, you can get the book free, the di di digital version of it. And then it's also on Amazon. And then yeah, join me on Niacare. Um, we do a lot of, we collaborate with a lot of other people that are doing such amazing work in this particular field. Um, I really want to emphasize pelvic physical therapy because it is life changing. Like life. I love it when people say that on like, it I, is. I didn't have to provoke you to say that. <laughs> no, it is. And it's like, you know, um, 
And investing in your health, even from a male's perspective, you want your wife back, you want your partner back, invest in her health. Yes. Yes. You know, so that's fantastic. Please do that. But yes. That's fantastic. And if anybody wants to, I'm going to put the um, the name of the TEDx too. If you want to check um, Sonal out on the TEDx, it's uh, if you can just Google the economics of the fourth trimester. It's really interesting. She kind of breaks it down to be like, hey, what's what's the cost of this? And uh, and I, I think it, especially, I, I think it's eye opening if you're about to go into pregnancy and postpartum and you really have no sense about how this is all going to play out. But if you are on the other side of that, you're just sitting there nodding and you're like, yep, mm-hmm, 100%. I totally agree with that. So thanks for, for posting that up there. All right. If you want to know a little bit more about Nyacare and the services that Dr. Patel provides, you can find her on Instagram at Nyacare. Thank you so much for sharing your story and being vulnerable about what you've kind of gone through yourself and, and kind of paying that forward to moms um, that you work with now and then also contributing to advocacy. We really appreciate the efforts. And I, I do think that that things are much better. We got a lot of work to do and it's good to know that there's um, voices like yours that are kind of pushing things in the right direction. So thank you so much. And thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. This is amazing and awesome. (laughs) Thanks. Did you enjoy the podcast? If so, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell a friend to do the same. Are you a postpartum mom or postpartum pro wanting to know more about getting back to running after baby? Check out all my free goodies on carriepagliano.com. This podcast represents the opinions of Dr. Carrie Pagliano and her guests to the show. The content should not be taken as medical advice and is for entertainment purposes only. Always consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.